0: Welcome to Montrose Podcast, the official podcast of Montrose School here in Medfield, Massachusetts, where girls are called to greatness. I'm your host, Mary Cahill Farella, and I'm very happy that you can join us. Maybe you're an avid supporter of Montrose, a current parent or a friend of the school, or maybe you're new to Montrose, an independent school for girls in grades 6 through 12, inspired by the teachings of the Catholic Church. Here, young women achieve academic excellence in a rich liberal arts environment by developing enduring habits of mind, heart, and character. Thanks for joining us as we explore topics that highlight the impact of a Montrose education and how it affects the world around us. At a time of year when many families are welcoming home their college students or young adults, it seems fitting that we are here to talk about life after Montrose. In this episode, you'll hear about the impact of a Montrose education on two young alums, Grace Schiller and Clara cahill Grace, a graduate of Fairfield University and current BMW corporate employee, and Clara, a junior at BC studying abroad at Trinity University, are two very different people in very different settings, with wonderfully different interests. But they have several things in common, a profound appreciation of their own dignity, the ability to be self-reflective, and a knowledge that they are called to greatness in the ways that they are using their gifts and talents to make contributions to society. It's heartening for me, and I hope for you, to hear about how grateful they are for the positive habits of mind, heart, and character that they received while here at Montrose. First up is Grace Schiller, Montrose class of 2013, Fairfield University class of 2017, and current BMW corporate employee. Have a listen. How would you say Montrose shaped you um, academically as a thinker and as a student? Well, the one
1: thing that Montrose taught me was not to be conventional, which I could not be more appreciative for. Um, When I went to college, I ended up majoring in English, which if you asked me that in, uh, in my ninth grade biology class, I would have refuted it vehemently. But I thought to myself, I loved science. I thought it was so interesting. And I went into school as actually pre-dental, shockingly. Um, I thought I was going to make the world smile. That was my, <laughs> that was my, little, my little tagline to myself uh, with good teeth. But I found a way to make people smile, but in a different way, because I realized I started taking those science classes and I felt like I was trying to prove something. I felt like I had to show the world that I could do something that, you know, wasn't expected of me. And while that that intention was so pure, my execution wasn't where it should be. And it took, you know, I mean, I went back, I still talked to Ms Rice. I remember we got coffee after my freshman year of college because um, she was my advisor and also I adored her metaphysics classes. And she asked me, you know, how's everything going? And I said, well, to be honest, not great. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know if pre dental is where I want to be. Um, you know, and after the conversation I had with Miss Rice, she said, "You know, have you considered other majors?" Um, so I went through. I went through a couple different different majors. I went through pre law for a section. I um, did a shadow program at a law firm. I did internships in PR and communications. I did internships in marketing. I finally found myself back at English, where I knew I loved. I knew I loved the subject matter. But I didn't think I could do anything with it. And I went back to Miss Rice had another conversation with her and said, "Miss Rice, I love this. I'm, uh, but I'm, I don't want to graduate and, and you know, have no prospects. What am I going to do with an English major? And she looked at me and she said, what can't you do with an English major? Right. And so, uh, you know, I, of course, I'm thinking to myself again. All right. So now I got to make something of this
0: but that like it sounds like her yeah her <laughs> invitation to you to reflect on where you were currently at inviting you to recalibrate if you weren't at peace with that and then ultimately you reevaluated your whole decision that's an amazing process to be Walked through by your mentor,
1: <laughs> which still she technically she wasn't being paid for it. My good, you know, it wasn't still part of her job description. It was just we still would reconnect after after college meeting in Starbucks or me visiting Montrose to to have these conversations. And, and you know, and it meant so much in that moment, you know, of course, and I adored Fairfield, which is where I went to undergraduate and I had some wonderful advisors there as well. But I was still going back to Miss Rice because she had seen me grown. Uh, she had seen me grow she had seen this growing process um, that was really it was so unique that she had watched me from seventh grade and and watched how i had grown and matured and was able to help direct me and it was planting the seed for me to figure it out she wasn't telling me where to go she wasn't laying out a plan but she was simply igniting in me different thoughts that she knew I had subconsciously I just didn't have the maturity to bring them to the forefront
0: when you look back at your time at Montrose and the education you received there, what are you grateful for?
1: I'm grateful for a lot of things. <laughs> I'm, you know, of course, I, I'm grateful for my parents for putting me in a place that um, would set me up for such success. And by success, I don't just mean, you know, having a great job, which I do and I love right now, but for, for sending me to a place that I can develop a, a, a wholehearted sense of self, a self awareness. So it was interesting because I was a competitive Irish dancer. We were taught to be spatially aware, you know, where is your physical self in this moment of this dance? Where are you placing this arm? Where are you placing this toe? But at Montrose it was, where is the spiritual, academic, emotional sense of self? And I was able to, to question who I was and knowing that my parents loved me enough to put me in a place to have those difficult conversations, you know, to, to self reflect, uh, was something that I will always, always be grateful to them for, especially. Mm -hmm. Uh, but beyond that, I, you know, I'm very grateful to my teachers at Montrose. Um, and especially to the ones that challenged me the most, you know, the, the, the teachers that I, that frequently come back up. I mean, Mrs. Least was, was absolutely transformative in my math experience. I despised it with every bone of fiber of my being. And she took the time to sit down with me an extra time after class to rework through some of the problems, to work through peer tutoring, to provide extra feedback on, you know, when I wasn't particularly successful on a test. She was personally attentive to my individual needs. She didn't try to, to, you know, push me off into a program or offer some type of e-learning she physically sat with me in her one-on-one time and helped me understand the subject matter. And that type of, of personal attention, I think can only be afforded in a place that, like Montrose that does have a smaller class size and a, and a very um, you know, and a special teacher to student ratio. Um, yeah, and beyond that, of course, as I had mentioned before, Ms. Rice, taking the opportunity to f- see my development beyond the doors of Montrose, that it didn't end with a diploma and a, and a have a nice life, that it was a continuation of, of, of growth and self-reflection and, and development. Not just to achieve, like I had said, a, some sort of professional achievement, but to continue growing as as a spiritual person and as a contributor to society.
0: Yeah, and not to accept your own maybe even subconscious limitations, you know, saying, hey, I'm, I don't like math. I'm right. not good at it. That's not – right. it's not in the water. You know, you, you just – there's a reason you got to learn this and here's why and I'm going to help you and I'm going to sit with you until you can do it and and actually in the end feel differently about it.
1: Absolutely absolutely so really I think it it was um, you know it was definitely my parents and my teachers and to the the staff at Montrose that I didn't realize what a place or I it took me Time to mature and grow to realize the place of love that we were in. That anyone at the school, they did their job with love and they did it with care. And I think, you know, from uh, from how the school keeps continuing to grow and to prosper. I mean, it truly is attributed to every person in that building making it work Mm -hmm. and that's what and that's what I love so much is that it's not pinpointed to just my parents or just one person or the other it's it's a collaborative effort and I think that's another part of what makes Montrose so special it's not just it's not a one-man show you know the the one man behind it all we all know is
0: (laughs) the big guy (laughs) He
1: sits in the chapel every day (laughs) he's really the one man behind it but 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 I think from a, from a, a daily collaborative effort, it is everyone involved in that school's process that makes it makes it a place of love and success and growth and development.
0: Tell us a little bit about where you are and what you're doing now.
1: So right now, as I mentioned, I live currently in Connecticut. Uh, And I commute down to New Jersey every day, (laughs) which isn't as long as a drive as it seems. It's about 40 minutes now that I've moved. Um, But I currently work at BMW headquarters. um, And I'm currently transitioning into a role for network performance management analyst. So what this means, um, BMW as the headquarters, we do not individually own the dealerships. So what we do is we work on how how to enhance the performance of all of these individual dealerships On a a national, regional, market, and dealer level. So what I look, look specifically at is how can we make the dealership a better place? At the end of the day, that is what my job. So I use a lot, a lot of data, a lot of data analytics uh, to create dashboards, to create recommendations for all of our executives on how we can keep improving our processes, how we can keep improving the culture at BMW, and how we can keep improving our overall performance. Because yes, at the end of the day, it is um, a company that is focused on vehicles, but it's also focused on improving quality of life. So one of the biggest initiatives that I'm involved in that's not in my job description, but again, Mantras taught me question what you're doing and go beyond it. Um I'm involved in a lot of initiatives at work that aren't necessarily in my job description. For instance, I'm very, uh, very, very active in our give-back community. So some of the different things that we are launching within different dealerships throughout the nation are how we can see what the most prominent issues are around a specific dealership and how different personnel can take action and give back to that individual community based on a specific need. So one of my, um, one of my personal goals um, is to move, move away from uh, a corporate culture that just says, well, let's put forward a, um, a national program. We can tick, tick in the box. We, we've done our good for the community today. Well, it's, it's beyond that the needs that would be at a dealership uh, in the community of a dealership somewhere in Southern California are going to be very different from the needs of one in Kansas, very different from the one in Boston. So I'm helping develop programs that can look specifically at give back to the communities around that specific area, which I love, love, love doing. Bringing it back to Montrose, sitting in that classroom, being encouraged to just raise my hand and to participate in a conversation. It's second nature now, regardless of who is sitting in the room, I, I don't feel shy to, to speak my mind and my opinion. doesn't mean I'm always going to be right, but it means that I can have an educated debate. I mean, some of the best conversations we had in um, my philosophy classes would be when myself and another student didn't agree on you know one of Aristotle's philosophies. We could sit and have an educated discussion on why we had two separate opinions and why we did or didn't think that Aristotle was correct. And bringing that back into the... into my professional life, having those conversations with executives, being able to debate and to understand the different perspectives around a particular topic, it's its invaluable.
0: You're welcome to join us for a Habits of Mind workshop on Wednesday, December twelfth, 2018 at 9.15 a.m. Montrose faculty member, Deborah Farmer-Chris, will talk about raising girls today and give you tips to support strong academic habits at home and help your daughter combat procrastination, avoid distraction, and strengthen memory. All are welcome and feel free to bring a friend. And now we hear from Clara cahill Farella, Montrose class of 2016, current Boston College junior, and yes, my daughter, as she reflects on her Montrose experience. Have a listen.
2: At Montrose, you learn to value yourself, especially as a daughter of God, but, um, you know, just that you have this innate human dignity that no one can take away from you. And so, Mm. you know, in all of your struggles that, you know, no matter whether you're good at a certain sport or a certain subject or a good public speaker or anything like that, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like we can always, and you know, of course we're growing towards becoming better in all those things, but that we're called to be good people Mm -hmm. um, and to be the person that we were made to be. We're not called to be anyone else. So I think, um, in many ways that that was actually a better, um, I'd say, you know, a greater benefit for me in coming out of Montrose and knowing that, like, okay, I'm this amazing person, and yeah, I have all these, you know, specific gifts that might be different from my other classmates or the other people around me, but um, that I was called to be me in this way, and, you know, we're still discovering that as we go throughout college and whatnot, but I think that was um, the biggest, uh, I would say, takeaway that I got from my Montrose education was, like, you're called to be this specific person.
0: And when you look back on your time at Montrose, I'm sure there are very many things that you're grateful for, but (laughs) what's one thing that you could tell us about that you're particularly grateful for, having attended Montrose and gained all of these life skills and your life compass and your friends and these bonds with your teachers?
2: Mm. Yeah, there are very many, so that's a tough question. Um, I would say... Uh, this is going to be a little repetitive but um, knowing my inherent value I think is the biggest takeaway because I see too uh, and often it's uh, young women uh, in college many too many of them don't know how much they're worth and so uh, what what's happened is i've seen this you know freshman year sophomore year junior year this often it it's a vicious cycle it never stops but um i've seen uh, young women struggle with getting rejected by you know certain clubs or activities or events that are happening on campus that they did in high school so for example if they had played soccer in high school they'd been very good uh, or you know were a star or a captain even and then all of a sudden they get rejected from the club soccer team in college because there's a lot more competition there's people coming from all over now and it's no it's not just you know trying out against maybe three other girls in your grade at Montrose it's you know trying out against 200 people in your grade so it's a it's the stakes are a lot higher and so they don't make the team for example and then they say well I've always been the soccer girl like what what am I supposed to do now it's in right so having
0: your inherent value beyond roles that may lend themselves toward your identity right they don't they are not your identity so whether or not you make that team you may make it you may not make it you still know you have inherent value you're not what do I do now that I'm not the soccer player for my college team
2: Exactly. And so there are too many of those situations that happen where people, all people, not just young women, but um especially young women, I think it affects them very, very much so uh, internally. But, you know, not getting into certain things or not being able to do certain things that they had been either good at or had been used to doing in high school, uh, putting their worth in the exterior instead of the interior uh, Mm. putting their worth in other in activities in roles and how they spend their time and in expectations of them from other people you know and what people think they should be doing um and instead you know I was able to at least coming to college and and it's not that I didn't have ups and downs because I did of course and everyone has their own transition um but you know at the end of the day after you know um, then because I did get rejected from certain things freshman year and and then that was hard, but you know, I was able to take that as okay, like maybe that's not what's right for me right now, and on to the next thing. And it's not because I'm not worthy. And actually, in fact, I did find out a, fa- a staff member at Boston College when I did get rejected from a certain service organization, which is also you know, you just seems ridiculous that you, well, it's you know, you're highly not competitive to even to volunteer, right? It's competitive. And uh, and so I actually did learn from a staff member later who told me, you know, it's just a numbers game. But we're not told that, you know, applying to these things. So, and I know this might not be the case for every school. Smaller schools might have, um, you know, more room to accommodate everyone in those kinds of activities. But at least for me and for a lot of my peers now at Boston College, that is the reality. And when, you know, when that doesn't work out the way we think, there are a few ways we can take that. And honestly, Matro set me up knowing already that I was valuable no matter, you know, what I got accepted into. And so I could take rejection a little bit easier. It was still upsetting, but it wasn't upsetting because I wasn't good enough. It was just upsetting
0: because it just, it didn't work out. It didn't work out according to your right. your idea or your plan. And it also exactly. seems like it helped you see that perseverance is a process. It's mm-hmm. not one choice you make or yes, there's for a fork sure. in the road and one way or the other, it's a process. And it sounds like some of the risks you were encouraged to take and say you know we'll catch you if you fall, but we think you can do this. Those right. that risk taking in a healthy environment helps you when things don't go your way, and you're maybe in a much like you said larger, more competitive environment to say okay, this is part of my process of persevering. This isn't an end game.
2: Right, exactly, exactly. That you're not putting you know all of your all of your eggs in one basket. Is that the phrase? <laughs> uh, putting you know putting everything into into one goal, into one aspiration, and then when that falls through saying, oh, well, I've got nothing else. Well, I no, that's, offer, yeah. that's not true. You've got so many things to offer and extending yourself into all, you know, many different roles and many different activities um, while just knowing that, you know, you yourself are the core and what makes all of those things special, not the individual
0: things that you're doing and spending you're time you pursuing. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us where you are and what you're doing now?
2: So now I'm actually, uh, as we speak, in Dublin and I'm studying abroad here for the semester, which has been quite the transition and honestly such a surprising decision that I made on my part, uh, as I mentioned before, being an introvert and being dropped into a totally new uh, culture and country and, and environment here, both, you know, the learning environment, the social environment. Um, and that that has been, that's had its own, you know, range of stressors, but uh, uh, leading up until that point you know I just finished uh, I just finished my second year at BC and um, had really I think I'd say since this point um, have really thrown myself into lots of activities and experiences there I work on campus I have a couple on-campus jobs I have um, really actually found a calling for retreat culture I really love going on retreats and love that um, environment of reflection that those offer and uh, which I think Machos did help me with as well, and I just never fully realized it while I was there, uh, but since being at BC and having this whole campus ministry office office that offers uh, all of these um, different retreats, I decided to go on a few freshman year, fell in love with them, and uh, by the summer before sophomore year, I was starting to lead them, uh, and that has been a very life-giving uh, area uh, of my life at BC.
0: So you're so, saying some of those seeds were planted early on at Montrose, about... Right. The importance of reflection in your life and that you've been able to take that even further now in your current environment saying, wow I have even more opportunities to do that and that is really important to me.
2: Right, right, and even I remember even reflecting on I think it was the freshman retreat uh, that BC does uh, my first semester of college and you know doing all this introspection and realizing wow like Montrose really set me up for this Uh, and I you know I had all of all of my tools right there and You know coming to college you you see a lot of people who you know um, theoretically don't have all their tools in their toolbox and you can you can see those they're very apparent you know um, whether it's you know not having the right like time management skills or not knowing how to study for an exam correctly or you know in a way that works for them because every way is different and um, you know not being able to you know really maintain friendships and have those be a life-giving thing for them um, so all of those tools I came with so as soon as I started reflecting I you know I did a lot of looking back and saying like, oh wow I I, I had everything I needed so now I just need to you know grow on those um, and so that has really been a, a cool realization for me and now I've focused on giving back to my community already even as an underclassman I was doing that um, because I was privileged enough to already know again my value my worth what I could give And even though I'm still, you know, I'm always finding out new things about myself and, you know, where I fit in the world, I'm saying, well, you know, I do have these tools already that I I can contribute to this new community that I'm in.
0: We thank both Grace and Clara for contributing to this episode about life after Montrose. We also want to give a shout out to the Montrose alums who so graciously gave of their time to help out at the recent curriculum night open house. You know who you are. These young women currently attending WPI, UMass Dartmouth, UMass Boston, Holy Cross, Harvard, MIT, and Dartmouth came out to meet prospective Montrose families, despite being in the middle of their preparations for exams and papers. Thank you all for continuing to share your stories about the power of a Montrose education. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Montrose Podcast. Please subscribe so that you'll be the first to know about future episodes and share the podcast with your friends and family. Donations to Montrose Podcasts go directly to tuition assistance, a critical part of our mission to keep Montrose education accessible. Your gift plants the seeds of lifelong Montrose friendships and ensures that each Montrose graduate takes with her a life compass to navigate the challenges beyond Montrose and seize opportunities to shape our changing world. Thank you.